You're listening to the Live Free Now podcast, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Find us online at livefreenow.show. And now your host, John Bush. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. John Bush here with the Live Free Now show. I want to thank you for tuning in today. We have a wonderful show lined up for you. We are going to be breaking down what the heck is going on with all Bitcoin. Uh, in case uh, you haven't been paying attention, the price shot up crazy style. Let's see what it's sitting at today. It's constantly changing. Uh, 62333 is the price as we speak. Wow. I mean, I can't say that we didn't see this coming for those that are paying attention, for those that are participating in the space. Really exciting stuff. We are going to break down what's going on with Bitcoin. I'm also going to share a perspective that I have as a freedom person, as a privacy person, uh, as somebody that's been in the Bitcoin space for quite some time now. There's some things that I've come to realize that we should be aware of, we should be concerned with. It doesn't mean that I'm out on Bitcoin by any means, but let's let's be real. Like Napoleon Hill talks about accurate thinking. Let's be real with what's going on here and some of the ways that Bitcoin has lost its way. So we're going to talk a lot about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And then I'm going to share some insights that I had recently about about the role that our personal identity, the identity that we have for ourselves, the role that that identity plays in the meaning that we give things. Specifically, I'm going to talk about my role as an entrepreneur, balancing that with my role as a father, balancing that with my role as a husband, as an activist, as a homesteader. Uh, you know, when you got a lot of irons in the fire, it can be quite the challenge. But we can always realign, and it's my belief, like Grant Cardone says, who I'm a big fan of, that we can have it all. We just have to be very conscious about our life design. So thank you very much, everybody that's tuned in. Later, at the middle of the hour, uh, we are going to be joined by Tia Saravino. She is hosting the Next Steps Conference, which is taking place in Atlanta, Georgia. My lovely wife, Rebecca, and I will be speaking along with Derek Bros, Del Bigtree, uh, Robert Scott Bell, an old friend of mine, uh, Hakeem Anwar, formerly known as Ramiro, and a bunch of other really cool folks. Jim Gale will be there as well. So we're really looking forward to uh, going out to Atlanta, Georgia. I've only been to Atlanta once, driven through Atlanta. And uh, I hope that you'll check it out. This is the Live Free Now show, like I said, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Before we get into it, I want to shout out the podcast audience. Anyone can join our podcast uh, subscribe for free over at livefreenow.show. That's livefreenow.show. And uh, definitely going to be working harder to put out consistent videos there. So I'm sharing there, livefreenow.show. Okay, let's go ahead and get right down to it. Let's talk about Bitcoin. Bitcoin, 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 Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin, as some call it as well. So, as you know, if you've been paying attention or following my work, I've been involved in the Bitcoin space, Bitcoin crypto space for, let's see, ever since around 2012 or so, really got involved heavily in 2013. So now that's over 10 years. And early on, it was all about this radical notion that this decentralized currency that can't be stopped, can't be shut down. It's like the rebel money. This is actually going to upset the Federal Reserve banking system and it's going to completely uproot the establishment. That's Those were my roots in the Bitcoin space, being an activist. My how things have changed. Now there still is a whole lot of disruption that's going to take place. But unfortunately, as I'll share, it's my firm belief that Bitcoin has lost its way a bit as far as those revolutionary roots. And I tell you what, it's a bit frustrating to see many in the Bitcoin space, many Bitcoin maximalists, which is this term, if you're not familiar, for people that are like all in on Bitcoin and Bitcoin only rejecting all the other cryptocurrencies for crap coins or shit coins, as they would call them. 
And you know, I'm hip to it. It's all good. I hear you. Bitcoin is superior in so many ways. It's also inferior in some ways. But the sad part is, you know, I wanted to just start talking about how great the price is, but this is really what I want to say. Uh, the sad part is, is that I believe a lot of the Bitcoin community has been captured and dazzled by this phenomenon that we call number go up, where the most important thing for them is to turn a profit, is to make some money. And um, that is a bit frustrating for me, you see, because it's my belief that the the intention of Satoshi Nakamoto, he, she, they, or them, was disruption, was uprooting the banking system. And while I'm a pragmatist and I myself am invested in Bitcoin and I want to see the number go up, uh, what's more important to me is people having a means of exchanging with one another outside the system. And this is especially the case and this is especially important as the central bank digital currency system gets rolled out. And I don't know that Bitcoin is that currency shaping up more to be a digital gold than a peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash. Okay, so let's get right down to it. Before I get into all those details, which I basically already did, that's the cool thing about doing the show again. And I haven't been doing this show regularly, the Live Free Now show, my little podcast thing, is I could basically just go on little diatribes and side quests. But uh, I really get to speak from the heart and share what my thoughts are. But let's talk about the price, of course. So the price is absolutely going gangbusters. And a tool that I like to use is uh, old CoinGecko. So I'm a big fan of CoinGecko. I like to use CoinGecko regularly. If we come over here, CoinGecko, this shows what the price is, but I like to look at the trading view window because the trading view gives us these bars. They're called candlesticks. Now, if you're not familiar with the candlesticks, let me just give you a base understanding of how this all works. And um, I've done this in some of my workshops as well. Uh, so check it out. Each one of these candles represents a time period. Right now, the time period is one hour, okay? But we could switch to one day if we wanted to. Now, each of these candlesticks equals one day. Whenever the candlestick is red, it means at the beginning of that day, the price opened here at the bottom, and it went up throughout the day, and it ended, it closed higher, okay? Now, when you're talking about stocks, of course, the close is at the closing bell, which I think is 3 p.m. for Wall Street, right? But Bitcoin never closes, never sleeps, never takes a day off, never is closed there at the bank. That's what these candlesticks mean. And when you look at the candlestick on a chart, you can see kind of the flow and what's happening. And there's all sorts of what are known as technical analysis indicators that you can utilize. We're not going to get exactly into what all that is today, but uh, just wanted to show you exactly what's taking place with this crazy, crazy growth. So as you can see, the past one, two, three days, especially the 24-hour period that we're currently in is just going gangbusters. These lines here are what, what are known as wicks. So the actual bar is where the open and close for the day is. If it's red, it opened higher and closed lower. But the wick is the price action, what the price moved throughout the day. So we can actually pull back to the weekly chart and get a nice glimpse of really what's going on. So now these bars equal a week. And as we can see, we are on the verge of pushing through to all-time highs. <sighs> and we're just barely getting started, folks. In fact, usually the price doesn't reach all-time highs until after the halving. Now, let me break this down, of course, because I share this in passing and we share little graphics and, and memes and messages on my Live Free with John Bush Telegram channel, especially, but all my socials. And a lot of people are like, what the heck are you talking about? The having, what is the having? This is why the price is going all gangbusters, among other things. This is one of the big things to be aware of. So we'll talk about the ETFs and then I'll spend a little bit more time talking about how Bitcoin has kind of transformed and in my opinion, how it's lost its way. And then we'll move on to the next segment today. So every four years with Bitcoin, every approximately four years with Bitcoin, the number of new Bitcoin that get generated with every block, a block gets added to the blockchain approximately every 10 minutes, that number gets cut in half. So when Bitcoin was created, we'll just say 2008, but really it launched in 2009, the actual software. But for simplicity, we'll say from 2008 to 2012, 
there were 50 new Bitcoin generated every approximately 10 minutes with new blocks. That's what the miners do. They run these computers. They try to find out this little puzzle number and they got to use a bunch of computer work, which takes a lot of energy, which is pretty cool because Bitcoin's essentially transforming energy into this digitally scarce unit that can't go away. I mean, you could lose access to your crypto, of course, but my point is that it doesn't like lose its texture, its consistency. It doesn't fade away. It can't be burnt, right? Uh, it's a digitally scarce asset that can be transferred very easily over space, geographic space, unlike gold. And over time, it's going to last. It's durable throughout time. Okay. Gold is that, but gold doesn't get transferred easily over space. Now I digress. These machines are taking energy. They're converting that energy essentially into the production of Bitcoin. And this is how new Bitcoin are mined or minted or created or generated. So, from around 2008 to 2012, there was 50 being created. That got cut in half around 2012 to 25, and then around 2016 to 12 and a half. And then from 2016 to 2020, the current period that we're in, it was 6.25. And then come approximately 51 days from now, from today's date, which is the 28th of February, approximately 50 days or so from now, that number is going to get cut again into 3.125. Now, what this essentially means for the market is if you pay attention to markets or if you have any awareness of how markets work, when I say markets, I mean people buying and selling a particular good or service or multiple goods or services, you have the law of supply and demand. The more of a supply you have of something, the less it tends to be worth. The less of a supply, the more it tends to be worth. When you have something that's in a low supply, but it's in high demand, the price tends to go up. And I tell you what, what's going down with Bitcoin is we have an increasingly smaller and smaller, less available supply, not just because of this halving phenomenon that's coming up, although that has a lot to do with it, but because more and more people, unlike previous cycles within Bitcoin, more and more people are now holding on to their Bitcoin, holding on for dear life, not putting on exchanges, not selling it in spite of this crazy price action. This is all taking place, as I told you I would share, at the same time that the United States government, the Securities and Exchange Commission, approved a Bitcoin ETF, an exchange-traded fund. That's essentially where you kind of have paper Bitcoin. You have large financial institutions that purchase Bitcoin on your behalf, basically, and then they give you a little paper or a digital certificate that you own that. Now, a lot of people in the freedom community are faulting this, but at the end of the day, it allows people that have retirement accounts, which is really a tax coercive social engineering mechanism, forcing people to put their money into Wall Street. But now essentially folks that have an IRA, 401k, uh, now essentially we have uh, teachers unions, pension funds, they can now get exposure to this incredible, scarce digital asset class that has immense value as a digital gold of sorts. And I think that's really pretty cool. This is a big deal. And we simultaneously have fewer people selling their Bitcoin. They're holding their Bitcoin, not in an exchange account, but in a non-custodial wallet. We have a ton of new demand from BlackRock and major financial institutions and pension funds and teachers unions and you name it. And Joe Schmo on Fifth Avenue with the store and the employee at the corporate business that has a 401k option. There's a high demand for Bitcoin. This is also happening at the same time that the halving is coming up. Historically, there's been these cycles where leading up to the halving, there's a, a minor bull market. And then after the halving takes place, there's a crazy bull market. And then it cools off and corrects for a bear market, building up slowly but surely consolidating until the next four-year cycle. But I just read earlier today that the big difference is this is the first time that the price has potentially reached an all-time high before the halving takes place. So this is pretty pretty cool. Lots of crazy stuff going on. Now, this is all fun and exciting, but there's a couple challenges taking place, and I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of it. I'll have to save it for another show, or better yet, I'll save it for the uh, Live Free Academy membership. The new membership we're going to be launching is going to blow folks away. We're going to be launching it this month coming up in March, and um, I'll be doing regular master classes. This will definitely be one of them. But one thing to be aware, and here's a little segment that I'd like to call How Bitcoin Lost Its Way. 
Essentially, Bitcoin was created to be peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash. Along the way in Bitcoin's history, as Bitcoin started to scale, more and more users wanted to send transactions on the Bitcoin blockchain at the same time. This started increasing the transaction fees. Every time you send a Bitcoin transaction, there's an associated transaction fee that goes to the miners. It's essentially a bidding mechanism. How bad do you want your transaction to get included in the next 10-minute block? Well, when there's a whole lot of people that are competing for a finite amount of digital space, that fee can go up. It's been upwards of two, five, 10, 20, 50 dollars for a transaction. Fifty dollar transaction fee isn't a big deal if you're transferring 10,000, 50,000, a million dollars worth of Bitcoin. If banks are transferring amongst themselves, which will be the future, my belief. Uh, but it is a big deal if you're trying to buy a five dollar cup of coffee at the local coffee shop, which isn't what my wife did for me today. We went to good old Starbucks down the road. But nonetheless, if Starbucks were accept Bitcoin, it just wouldn't work. Now there is something called Lightning Network. But so there was this scaling problem in Bitcoin's history and all the Bitcoin community came together and like, how do we solve this problem? How can more people send transactions? How can we use Bitcoin so it's not so expensive? Well, two camps quickly emerged. One camp said we should increase the size of each block. It's around one megabyte. It can go a little bit above one, but not above two. And each transaction is a certain amount of data that's measured in bytes. There's only so much data that can fit in one to two megabytes. So one camp was like, let's increase it to four. How about eight? Maybe it could be flexible so it could go as high as 16 if there's a need. So we can all use the actual Bitcoin blockchain. So we can engage in peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash without the need for a trusted third party or intermediary. That's what one camp said. That's the camp that I found myself in. The second camp said, hey... What if we create these layer two solutions? So you have the Bitcoin blockchain, peer-to-peer, -peer, immutable, settles on the blockchain. Well, settlement was never even a word. Now they're calling the Bitcoin blockchain the settlement layer. But these group, this group was like, hey, let's have a layer two solution. We could call it the Lightning Network. to where you take your Bitcoin, you deposit it into a Lightning Network node, essentially. And then you get basically paper of Bitcoin promise. You trade amongst yourself with these Lightning Network Bitcoin. Little to no fee whatsoever. High privacy, which is good. The Bitcoin blockchain is transparent. So when this address sends Bitcoin to this address, it's all recorded for anyone to see. The trick is to not tie your identity to your address. And there are ways to do that. Most people don't when they purchase Bitcoin from a mainstream exchange like Coinbase, however. The other camp said, we'll have these layer two solutions and people can deposit their Bitcoin into this and then we could trade it and then they could take it back. Now, the camp that wanted to do the layer twos won out. There was some conspiring taking place, some censorship taking place of folks that were big blockers. Essentially what this led to was a group said, you know what, we're going to take our toys and we're going to play in a different sandbox. And there was a hard fork of Bitcoin, Bitcoin, and then Bitcoin Cash, which does have larger blocks. And, and now you can send transactions and pay less than a penny transaction fee right now. For Bitcoin, is somewhere, I don't know, a couple bucks, depending on how big your transaction is, which has a lot to do with how many unspent transaction outputs make up your transaction. I'm going to try to avoid getting complex or anything, but here's the problem that we're facing. Bitcoin can no longer really effectively be used on chain, the blockchain, as peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash because of these transaction fees. Now, here's the key takeaway. Yes, let us celebrate the fact that Bitcoin is exploding in price. I hope you've been taking my advice for the past 10 plus years and gobbling up some of that Bitcoin because it's an extremely scarce and finite asset. Digitally scarce is a huge innovation. Digital scarcity. Usually you can just copy stuff. This is digital scarce because there's this decentralized public ledger for people to track and make sure nobody's doing any funny business. But the challenge is it's my belief that moving forward into the future, there's only going to be able to only large financial institutions are going to be able to actually conduct on-chain transactions. Because if something doesn't change with the status quo, which is small blocks and small transaction sizes, small amounts of data that can go on each block, I should say rather, the transaction fees are going to be exorbitantly high. And if you have been stacking sats, Satoshi is the smallest unit of Bitcoin, and you have a bunch, let's say that you finally gathered up one whole Bitcoin, but you've been buying 50 bucks worth, 100 bucks worth, $200 worth, $500 worth, $25 worth for the past six months or a year. In order to send that one Bitcoin, 
you have to take all of those inputs, all the unspent transaction outputs that you received when you bought 100, when you bought 50, when you bought 20, when you bought 18, when you bought 20 bucks, when you bought 50 bucks. That all gets compiled into one Bitcoin and then sent as an input to wherever. You're going to sell it now. You're going to borrow against it, whatever it may be. If the price of Bitcoin continues to rise, as it likely will, if the demand for on-chain transactions continues to rise, which it likely will, it's going to get increasingly expensive in order to use the actual on-chain blockchain. And one thing that may happen is people will start using custodial services that hold the Bitcoin and they issue paper units. It's a lot of talk about this. A lot of it gets shot down. A lot of people say, no, that's not what's going to happen. Bitcoin's still the best. But I'm, I'm worried that it's going to scale so it's going to get so big. It's going to get so expensive. It's going to have large financial institutions, banks, and even central banks holding Bitcoin that it's going to be impossible to use for the commoner, for the, for the little guy. So just be aware of that. Now, there are things that you can do like consolidating your unspent transaction outputs, which means when you have a bunch of these little unspent transaction outputs, you send a transaction to yourself. And now you have one unspent transaction outputs. I'm getting into some of the details and weeds. I'm going to be doing a whole thing about this, instructing people on what to do for my Live Free Academy membership uh, sooner than later. But something that I wanted to share, because as the price goes up, as the demand for using Bitcoin goes up, it's something that we're going to need to be aware of. Bitcoin, I believe, is no longer optimal as a peer-to-peer electronic cash. There are peer-to-peer lightning solutions, lightning network, the layer two. Um, that require you to host your own node. Some of these are cumbersome and a little bit challenging. Others are a little bit easier. But even still, some of these platforms are packing up and not servicing the United States anymore because of all the regulations. So let us celebrate the price going up. Let us celebrate this incredible, innovative digital technology. But let's also be aware that uh, in the future, it may be hard to use. We need to be prepared for that. We need to consolidate unspent transaction outputs. And ultimately... I'm a big fan of Monero, which is a privacy coin, which I believe to be the best electronic cash for subverting the central banks, for avoiding the CBDCs when they get rolled out. Uh, I'm going to share something else here in a sec. Let's see what we got going on in the comments. Frank says, I still don't get it. What good is cryptocurrency? I understand it's being compared to gold, but try paying for your Happy Meal with gold. First of all, I'm not sure why you're buying a Happy Meal. Uh, It's not very good for your body, Mr. Frank. But secondly... Bitcoin is decentralized and it's essentially a way to exchange value without anybody being able to stop that transaction. It's a great way to store value similar to gold because of its finite nature. There's only going to be 21 million Bitcoin ever and there's arguably less because many of them have been lost. It makes it extremely valuable because we're entering an increasingly digital world. Even though you gold bugs love your gold and silver, I'm not against gold or silver by any means, but we are entering an increasingly digital world. We Most people make payments electronically, even when you're swiping a credit card, that has to do with electronics. And I do believe that there's immense value because it allows people to store value over space and time. Space, you can transfer it easily to anywhere in the world, and there's no one that can stop you from transferring it. There is a transaction fee, of course. That transaction fee is going to be higher and higher. Secondly, it'll last over a long period of time. It doesn't degrade in its quality like gold. Additionally, as free people on this planet, it's much more challenging to confiscate Bitcoin than it is to confiscate gold, right? I'm still in on gold, but for those of you that are like, gold's better and what can you buy with Bitcoin? I'm afraid that you're doing yourself a great disservice and your lack of understanding of the true value of Bitcoin, which could be found by educating yourself, is causing you to miss out on perhaps the biggest wealth transfer that's ever taken place in history. So again, I've been banging on it for 10 years. The same people that are saying it's dorky, it's BS, it's part of the New World Order today with the price being 63000 We're saying it when the price was 6300 and we're saying it when the price was 630 bucks. when they could have just taken a chance and said, meh, I don't believe in it completely. I still got to wrap my finger around it, but maybe I'll buy $1,000 worth and just see what happens. I guess I had another piece to say. We're going to be joined by Tia here in a second. And don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of gold. I'm a fan of silver. I'm a fan of all of the above. There's some folks that are like, Bitcoin only. You can only do Bitcoin. Everything else is ridiculous. That's not how I roll. If you're just joining us, you're tuned into the Live Free Now show. I'm your host, John Bush. 
bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Always excited to be communicating with my fellow freedom lovers. If you're new to the John Bush world, you'll learn that I'm focused on solutions. We talk about the problem, but we talk about the problem in the context of what are we going to do about it? What actions can we take in our life today in order to navigate around, opt out of, and exit these tyrannical and technocratic systems that are being erected all around us? That just so happens to be what the Next Steps Conference is about as well. And we're going to be joined by Miss Tia here in just one moment. So while we get her ready, let me go ahead and break down this little bit that I wanted to talk about identities. If folks are doubting Bitcoin or not really sure why the what the value proposition is, I highly encourage you uh, to dive deeper on that. Uh, in spite of us about to be having all-time high prices, there is a lot of gains still to be had, not to mention it's a great way to protect and grow wealth. I will say, though, there's a frenzy for people to buy whenever the price is going up because of what's known as FOMO, fear of missing out. So I want to encourage you uh, not to be like everybody else on this planet that comes in and buys when the price is exorbitantly high and then the price goes down inevitably and they end up selling. And uh, now they're like, Bitcoin's a bull BS because they had a bad experience. I don't want anybody to be uh, caught in that little trap there. So uh, make sure that you consider dollar cost averaging. That's where you buy the same amount every month, every week on Wednesday or every day at 11 a.m. These are the kind of tips and strategies that I teach in my co- in my workshops. If you're interested, you can check out livefree.academy slash bitboom. Livefree.academy slash bitboom. That is my magnum opus Bitcoin for Bitcoin basics for boomers and beginners. For those of you interested in learning about Bitcoin from a 12-year veteran or so, I highly encourage you to check that out uh, as well. We just made it available again with all the crazy price action to make sure folks are educated and really know what's going on so they don't end up getting hurt. All right. How are you there, Miss Tia? Hi. How are you, John? Good to see you. I'm great. I'm great. Hi, everybody. I am in Atlanta. I'm in the Atlanta area, Atlanta, Georgia area. Excellent. Excellent. Have you lived in Atlanta your whole life? I have not. I'm a California girl. Oh, but you had to get the heck out of there, huh? Oh yeah, I got ahead of I got ahead of the wave. I left in um, 2003 in January of 2003. So um, I took a look around at the way things were going, and I was like, "This place is going." I actually at the time thought it was going to drop off into the ocean or something like that, but uh, whatever it was, it got me the heck out of there. No, I saw some I saw some really sad things happening to such a beautiful state with such beautiful people and just the crime, the drugs, the homelessness, cost of living. Yeah. Oh. And the geography is most definitely beautiful. That's for sure. It is some of the most beautiful places in the country. Yeah. OK, so how did you wake up to this whole freedom thing and the conspiratorial view of history? And then, you know, what motivated you to put on a conference? Because it's a whole lot of work. Tia is hosting the Next Steps Conference. Uh, the website, what is it? Next-steps.info. Next-steps.info. It's taking Correct. place uh, coming up in March. Uh, myself, I'll be speaking, my lovely wife, Rebecca, Derek Bros, Del Bigtree, which is always exciting, Jim Gale, my good friend, Robert Scott Bell. Uh, share with us how you woke up to all this crazy stuff going on, and then um, what motivated you to put on this conference? Well, you know, awakening is not a um, something that happens immediately. It's quite often a process. And so for me, some of the early things that started to tip me off to things aren't quite what they seem and we're being lied to would be back a little incident that took place in Waco. The way that that was handled was kind of like I I watched it all unfold and I was like, wow. So if our government can go in and um, murder people, including children, just because they, you know, Knock, knock, let us in. And they said, no, you know, that was really scary. Uh, and then 9-11 happened. And on the day 9-11 happened, I knew it was an inside job. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just did, I just knew everyone around me thought I was nuts at the time. But I mean, it 
it happened when Bush came on and said, we know who we know who's responsible for this. And I was like, oh, you're a liar. <laughs> the only way you can know is if you are involved, you know, mm-hmm. like we were all reeling trying to figure out what the heck just happened. So, so yeah, so those were little wake up, wake up nudges, you could say. And then, um, fast forward to the birth of my son in 2006. And at the time I had been working for, uh, Bill Schindler at the hyperbaric clinic. And I had heard about this guy, uh, this doctor from England, Dr. Andrew Wakefield. And I'd heard some, you know, uh, we were working with kids with autism at the clinic. So I'd heard some things about vaccines and I, I knew that like certain vaccines, like the multi-dose vaccines or like the MMR, the DTAP were more dangerous. And I thought I was going to do, I, at first I was like, I'm not going to do any vaccines. And then I got talked into doing just one at a time, spread them out, you know, single dose vaccines, no, no mercury. And my son, he got four vaccines between the ages of, uh, you know, birth to six months. And then I stopped vaccinating him on the advice of a doctor that we have working with us um, through the hyperbaric clinic. And she said, stop vaccinating. I mean, she said, I hope you're not vaccinating him. And I said, I, he's had a few. And she said, I stop. Boys are four times as likely as girls. And so I stopped. And um, of course, when I told the pediatrician's office that I wasn't going to continue vaccinating, they had me sign the form saying that I was endangering his life. And, you know, because I wasn't giving him these life-saving vaccines Hmm. and uh, walked out of there and never went back. And then when he was just over two years old, he was diagnosed with autism. And so that began uh, an endless pursuit on my part to get to the bottom of not only what caused that, but um, what to do to fix it, you know, what can be done to fix it. So my son is 17 now. He's doing amazing. I've been doing events since 2009, the first one being a, a multi, multi-genre music festival and uh, documentary film called Aid for Autism. And then I got involved with the Vaxxed movie uh, when it came out in 2016 and started doing, like, we did some premieres. We did some screenings across the country and uh, here in Georgia. It was in 2017 that I did the first Next Steps event, which was Next Steps to Health Freedom, because I said... You know, we can we can solve this problem with the vaccines if we just remove two elements, and that is pediatricians and the school system. So mm-hmm. that's when I started advocating for community building, homeschooling, and just fire your pediatrician, get a natural, get a get a functional medicine doctor or get a naturopath or chiropractor. And so that has evolved now into pa- post-pandemic. We started the Next Steps Conference. 2022, Antifa tried to shut me down. We went on, uh, went out ahead and did it anyway. Then last year we did Next Steps 2023 and we're getting ready to do Next Steps 2024. Derek has been there for the past two, uh, Next Steps events. So we're really excited to have him back and excited to bring you on as a part of that after having connected with you in Mexico. Well, I didn't know that you had such a history. I knew, and I'm sorry that that happened with, with your son, but it sounds like you've managed to, you know, use it as fuel to, to become this incredible activist and to help spread the word. So kudos to you for that. A lot of people just, you know, get into a, a depressed mode and then go into victim mode, but you chose to be empowered about it. So it sounds very powerful and sounds like you're an amazing mother too. So kudos for that. And, um, Thanks for for putting together this event. So let's talk more about the event. Specifically, why do you think it's important to host a conference and to put a message out that's solutions-focused? What's the relevance of having a solutions-focused conference? What does that mean? Well, you know, over the years, as I said, uh, uh, I was seeking to find what um, was going to help my son. So I've attended many, many conferences from like the Dan conferences to the various autism uh organizations that have conferences like the TACA, uh, the TACA uh, conference or the um, the National Autism Association conference or the Autism One conference, which has been a, a long running conference for many, many years. And I've been, so I've been to many of those. And I've also been to a lot of rallies and other types of events where we're coming together and there's like a health freedom under under theme, if you will. 
and including, you know, going to protests and going down to the Capitol and all, all of these different means that we as activists or advocates try to um, solve the problem, right? And so what I found over the years of going to all these different events is that there's too many tracks going on oftentimes at these conferences where they, they have so many speakers and they split them up into different rooms and you have to kind of pick and choose who you're going to go listen to speak. The speeches are too long. They're way too long, like an hour with a scientist or a doctor. Yes, they're fascinating people. Absolutely incredibly intelligent with a wealth of knowledge, but for Someone like me who is, and I do, and I can follow it. It's not like I can't follow it, but for someone like me who is there trying to figure out what I can do to help my kid or what the solution is, I would leave often, or in this case of the health freedom rallies and events like that, like I would leave with this like incredible wealth of uh, knowledge and no idea what to do with it. Absolutely no idea what to do with it. Like no action item no call to action really or if the call to action didn't come did come it's at the end of a very long-winded discussion of mostly the problem mostly mostly the problem so if it's an hour conversation that this or a presentation that this person is putting on it's 50 minutes of the problem five minutes of the solution maybe a two you know two to five minute call to action if there's a call to action if there's a solution at the end and maybe these individuals would say, oh, well, there was a solution in there. It's part of my presentation, but it wasn't highlighted in a way that the audience person could figure out, oh, that's what they, you know, that's where the solution is. So I really have a very focused format for the event that we do with Next Steps. And so the the presentations are short. They're short. They're like, I've heard people compare them to like TED Talk lengths. Very powerful. You can't just come and talk about the problem at my event. Like you cannot do that. That is like part of the agreement as you come on as a speaker is that you are going to spend the majority of your presentation talking about the solution and following up with three action items, the things that people can do. It's a great way to distinguish next steps from other events is that they're shorter, shorter presentations focused on solutions with action items under uh, the umbrella of different topics and the topics range across a wide spectrum of things that I think are important and people probably should be focusing on if we want to get through the times that are coming ahead. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense for sure. And I appreciate you. It reminds me a lot of the message that we're doing with the greater reset. It's like solutions focused, hardcore. And yeah, a lot of people are like, well, talking about i'm educating people about the problem but it's like, uh-huh. yeah that only gets us so far you got to take action to create a better Correct. world so-, so let's just take a quick little minute to kind of explain how the, the website works okay? okay so on the main page there all those images are clickable so okay. if you click on that first one with the island in the background that takes you to the lodging page where you can get your room booked at the resort and we do have a, a, a uh, room blocked uh, discount and it is $189 a night. They do have like a incidental fee. So you might see a higher number when you go to book, but uh, that incidental fee will be refunded as you are checking out. So it's a couple of people go, oh my gosh, it's this much. No, it's actually less than that. But it's a good deal on this. It's a great, great deal on this incredible resort. On Lake Lanier, it's this beautiful island resort with all kinds of amenities. You're just going to have such a great time soaking up the atmosphere and the vibe. So then if you go back to the homepage, that second picture, that's the speakers. So if you click on that, that takes you to the speakers page. And here you can go through and get to know who each of the speakers are and find out where they are going to be speaking. So click on that guy right there, John Bush. I don't know who he is. Let's find out about him. This clown. He is on the greater reset session on Saturday. And you can see the other speakers that are on there. Since you're on this session, you want to maybe touch a little bit about like what you think you're going to talk about in your power presentation. Sure. Sure. Uh, well, you know what I, to be honest, what I do at events is I go to the event. I soak up the event. I listen to some of the speakers, I speak, you know, network and hang out, and then I kind of get a sense of what 
I have to offer that would be the best medicine for the audience. So, but it'll presumably be something about the Freedom Cell Network. And uh, I think that my unique thing that I offer beyond the solutions and next and building stuff is, uh, is motivation and empowerment and encouraging people to overcome their limiting beliefs, break down any obstacles that they may have self-imposed upon themselves because mm-hmm. ultimately everybody focuses on the New World Order and the Klaus Schwab's and the Bill Gates. But uh, we, more so than them, are the ones that are holding us back from experiencing the freedom that we all desire. So probably a little something like that. I'll probably pull it out of my butt for, and speak from the heart at the last minute, as I tend to do. Well, tell us about yeah. some of these other speakers, because I don't know a lot of these folks. Tell us who else should we look at that maybe the audience should should learn more about. Okay, so easier than just like going through and telling you who each of the speakers are is to look at it under the umbrella of where where they're going to be speaking, right? Okay. So we have all these incredible um, activities starting out the event before we start inside. We're going to have like morning yoga, morning prayer and meditation on Thursday. And then, and then we'll have the first session inside is the detox for your health, okay? So we have some morning activities that are happening before before lunch. We'll do a few things in the morning to kind of connect with nature. Then we'll start inside at um, at uh, like twelve thirty or so with this first the first panel or the first session, which is detox for your health. We have Dr. Donna Party, who is my personal functional medicine doctor. Dr. Amy Darius, who is a holistic dentist, should be talking about like if you have amalgams in your mouth, like you should get those out. Those are toxic and how important oral health is for detoxification. Laura Bowden is a um, breast implant illness survivor and advocate. She's going to be talking about her journey through uh, breast implant illness and how important it is to get those toxic kind of those things that are in you. If you have implants of any kind, whether they're breast implants or chin implants or hip, you know, whatever, if any kind of foreign object in your body can cause problems. So she's going to talk about that. And it's the first time that we're ever going to have breast implant illness uh, represented in a major conference. Pretty significant. Cool stuff. Cool. Robert Scott Bell is a homeopath, also a superstar. Um, I've known Robert for um, decades. And, he's he's yeah, awesome. So, so then uh, you see the next panel is the You Can Heal Naturally. So we have my my chiropractor, Dr. Eric Plasker. We've got Hava Levy. She's a an herbal medicine. Doc Harmony is a natural healer. Bill Schindler with hyperbaric. Dr. Lynn's going to be talking about nutrition. And so that... That's um, the daytime events on Thursday. There's Tracy Slepsevic. She's going to be talking about healing autism. And then after dinner, there's a film screening. People are on their own for dinner. You go uh, uh, grab bite to eat with some friends and then come back for this uh, film screening, which is going to be amazing. And so that's just the walk through the first day. All right. Now, on the website up there at the top, you'll see that there's a scroll bar and you can click. Click to Friday. Here we got Jim Gale and Rebecca Bush, Seeds of Change, Cultivating Food for Community Empowerment. We're going to do a panel of breast implant illness survivors. They're going to share their stories, probably about five or six ladies plus myself and Laura. And then in the afternoon, the Safe Community Blueprint. So this is about community security and prepping. Cool. And then Empowered Healthcare. These are a mix of, of healthcare professionals and providers talking about how, how to advocate for patients by cross-pollinating within the healthcare sphere, if you will. And then we have this uh, advocacy, a quick little advocacy set up for the networking night, which is the big party on Friday night where we're going to have some interactive fun activities and really have a great time. Susie and uh, uh, Susie Olson-Corgan and Dr. Andrea Nazarenko are going to be hosting that. They'll be running the networking night. So that's going to be amazing stuff on Friday. And then on Saturday, we start to really crank things up. Okay. Saturday, recovering finance in the morning. So I got Mark Gonzalez, you know him. He was, uh, I connected with him in Mexico at your Greater Reset event. He's coming to speak. And then Paymon and Rob are going to be speaking on the parallel economy and financial new frontier and financial thinking. And then cool. we're doing, uh, but my, all my best scientist friends, the, uh, Dr. Ja- uh, Dr. James Lance Weiler, Dr. Brian Hooker, Dr. Judy Mikevitz are going to be talking about 
the health of the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated and what a, what the truth about that is. Mm-hmm. And then Dr. Shannon Croner is a author. She's written a children's book called I'm Unvaccinated and That's Okay. Hmm. We're working on a secret surprise guest speaker for that panel that I can't tell you. Cool. Okay. And then there's the greater reset. Um, with uh, Derek and John and Hakeem and David Rodriguez. And then we're going to have uh, Jennifer Margulis setting up a special uh, message from Do- from Del Bigtree. I wish Del Bigtree would be able to be there in person. He really wants to be there, but he's working on the um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. campaign and has campaign events happening in Texas. So it's not going to be able to be there, but he is going to be providing a special video message for us. So that's still pretty cool, right? And then VIP dinner and gala. This is going to be like big, big fun, um, dancing, just great food. It's black tie optional. So I hope you plan to get out on the dance floor with Rebecca and shake a little little bit. It's going to be so fun. Best of them. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, Sunday, we're not done because Paymon. Oh, gosh. Oh, speaking of Paymon, that's just calling me right now. Ah. Hold on. All right. Well, here you got me. Next steps. Next dash steps dot info is the website. Next dash steps dot info. Uh, we hope that you'll join, check it out, get a ticket. Uh, you'll be able to hang out with me, my lovely wife, Derek, and all sorts of incredible speakers will be there. Uh, we're really excited. Uh, for the opportunity to be heading over to Atlanta, Georgia. Looks like the venue's an incredible venue as well. Ah, and we're back. Sorry. Okay. That's what that's what it's like when you are the conference organizer and your VIP dinner sponsor and one of your speakers calls and you've got to take the call. This is my life. It's every day. It's like <laughs> I, I have a list of things to do and then phone calls. Give us Let's one last that. pitch before we let you go. Why should people, what is unique about Next Steps compared to all these other freedom and health freedom conferences? Why should people come to Next Steps over the others? We focus on solutions, but it's also in a retreat-like atmosphere, beautiful location, incredible people, and the networking The networking opportunities that happen, I'm telling you, for the last couple of years, people who have come to Next Steps have made lasting, very impactful connections and collaborations have come out of that. There's a lot that happens at Next Steps out and around and out on the periphery of like what's happening in the conference room speaker hall. So it's not just about like going and sitting in a room and listening to people speak. It's also about being around these incredible people that you're going to be, you know, possibly even creating lifelong friendships with and or business partnerships. And you're going to have the opportunity to connect with nature in a way that you wouldn't do if you just go to a regular conference in a stuffy hotel somewhere where it's like nonstop packed from the beginning to the end of the day with speakers that just talk for too long. I mean, there's like, there's uh, the uh, incredible exhibitors and you're going to be able to get treatment while you're there, um, explore uh, healthy options. And um, you might not even spend the whole time in the conference hall. Like when I was in Mexico, I couldn't just spend the whole time at the conference center, you know? So I actually got out and saw a little bit of a little bit of the area around the conference center and actually even went into Morelia uh, and checked out the nightlife there. So, you know, it's not just about the conference room with the speakers in it. There's so much more happening at Next Steps that you have to get that in person. Uh, Before we finish, though, I just want to say I know that it's two weeks away and not everybody has the means to um, come to Atlanta, to come to uh, Lanier Islands, to uh, spend the money on the plane ticket and the hotel and the tickets for the event. It, that doesn't mean you have to miss out completely. We do have virtual tickets, so you can get a three-day pass. And if you use John's code, it is John25. If you use the code John25, John you can save 25% on any ticket, including the virtual pass. Okay. So you'll have three months access to all the videos after the event. You can be there, watch live, and you can also have three months to catch up afterwards and interact virtually through the app john two five for how much what's the discount five. that is a 25 percent discount 
Wow, look at that. That's not bad, huh? Not too shabby. Okay. Hey, well, thank you so much for joining me, and thanks for all that you're doing for the cause of freedom. Thanks for inviting me and my lovely wife to come speak at your event. We're very much looking forward to it, and I hope uh, some of our viewers will join us there in person or at least check out the virtual ticket as well. Thank you, Tia. Appreciate you. All right. Take care, Bye. everybody. Have a great day. Later. All right, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Miss Tia Saravino, next-steps.info. I'll be there. I hope you'll join us uh, to check us out and network and hang out and hang out with some cool freedom people. Uh, really looking forward to it and definitely excited uh, that she will be presenting that solid opportunity for people to connect, for people to rock and roll, move and groove, get to know one another, all good things. Okay, this is the Live Free Now Show, uh, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. We're not going to finish up, though. I got one more thing I want to share with you. So, I recently got to tour the Tesla Gigafactory, Giga Texas, here in Central Texas. And I, it got me thinking, okay? So, I'm a big Tesla guy, and I am a fan of Elon Musk. Now, I'm not completely obsessed. I don't think he's going to save the world. I don't think he's going to save us. I just admire the guy, especially for his entrepreneurship, innovation, and big think. So it was actually really cool to get to tour the factory and um, to bring the kiddos along. And it got me thinking. I get all sorts of pushback because I gain inspiration from Elon Musk. Now, of course, I, I get it. He has Defense Department contracts. He's working on Neuralink. He recently said we should have a carbon tax. Totally get it. I don't think he's going to save the day. I'm not looking to Elon as some kind of hero or savior. I am exiting and building in my personal life and trying to activate people to do the same. But I had this realization while touring the factory. And first, you know, they launched Giga Texas maybe a year ago or so. Huge, gigantic factory. Enormous. It's actually the biggest square footage building on the planet. And I wanted to bring my kids to the launch party because there's this huge elaborate party, speeches, music. They had all these little drone fireworks display type deal. And they did like a Dogecoin thing. Uh, but we weren't able to – I wasn't connected enough to make it happen. Maybe I didn't try early enough. And I told my kids, don't worry. We're going to tour that dang factory one of these days. I persisted, found somebody within our network that works there. We got entered into a lottery to go tour. And long story short, we got this tour taking – tour took place. I did a video out in front of the building and in the little entryway where they said we could take pictures. We weren't allowed to take pictures throughout the rest of the building for trade secrets and such. And then they weren't. They were like, no, you can't even do videos out here. But the video, what I was sharing was like, I came to the realization I get so much grief for being a fan of Elon's. The reason why I'm a fan is because I have multiple identities, right? But one of those primary identities is an entrepreneur. Somebody that wants to innovate in this world. In fact, my life's purpose is to create an environment for free people to be able to self-govern. Political autonomy for our freedom community. That's part of what this whole exit and build thing is all about, especially building intentional communities on the outside of the cities. And we have a real estate development project we're working on to build like an eco neighborhood, an eco community. And in order to do that, it's going to take immense resources and it's going to take big thinking. And so touring the factory being inspired by the sheer scale and grandness of it all, being inspired by Elon pushing people to do what seemed to be impossible, I came to the realization that some people can't really relate to my admiration and inspiration with Elon because they don't have that identity of an entrepreneur, somebody that's trying to lead a big company, somebody that's trying to innovate in a space, somebody that's trying to make money so they could deploy those resources, not only so my family and I could live a good life, but also so we can change the world. It takes resources to make big things happen. And I recognize there's a lot of folks whose entire identity is just tied up in conspiracy research and being a quote-unquote truther. And so if that's what your identity is primarily, then you're going to see New World Order and conspiracy everywhere where others might see beauty, innovation, or some lessons that can be learned. And that's something that I got to thinking about, about this whole idea of it's our identity, our self-imposed identity that gives us meaning, that gives things meaning. So my identity as an entrepreneur, 
when I learn at the beginning of the tour uh, that for the first time in history, Elon Musk and Tesla were able to create these car frame pieces with a single mold, that's something that had never been done before. It used to be that this particular piece, which I believe is the front or the back wheelbase uh, of the Cybertruck, it used to be m like hundreds of different pieces that had to be put together, that had to be uh, screwed together, soldered together, not soldered together, welded together, um, bolted together. But Elon went to these companies and was like, hey, we have a big, we want to make a single cast one sink this is the battery for the cyber truck here with the seats on top of it we want to make this one single casting for these pieces in order to make our process more efficient and more streamlined and he went to six different companies five of them told it was impossible one of them said ah it's going to be really difficult we'll give it a try and they were able to pull it off so now they have these giant presses that press this metal together never before done Another thing that's never been done is a rocket that's able to be reused, which is a huge innovation part of SpaceX, right? And so, you know, when somebody's identity is purely conspiracy researcher, they're going to be like, well, Elon's a terrible entrepreneur. He gets public money. He's always stole ideas. But if you actually look at him and you're somebody that's an entrepreneur, then you could see like, wow, pushing the envelope, making the impossible real, not taking no for an answer, persisting in spite of insurmountable challenges, seemingly insurmountable challenges. That's something that inspires me. So I just want to throw that out there. I wanted to encourage folks to get clear on what their identity is and then also understand that it's your identity, your self-determined identity, that can give meaning to certain things. So for many people, the meaning that Elon has is he's a New World Order puppet and he's it's all part of a psyop and it's all controlled opposition or whatever. And there is some merit to some of those points. I don't think that he's entirely controlled opposition in my opinion. I think ultimately the likely explanation is that he is hell-bent on making human beings a multi-planetary species. Here come the flat earthers, space isn't real, whatever. And he's willing to work with the Department of Defense, you know, the means justify the ends. It's not my cup of tea. I don't want to work with the government to pursue my goals, but um, it's the meaning that we give things. So the meaning for me is, wow, look at the big think, look at these massively successful companies and look at the innovation. How can I think bigger in my life? How can I innovate delivering online courses? How can I create an innovative event? How can we create an innovative eco community on hundreds of acres that gives people a way to live that's in harmony with one another and the earth? Look how all these big entrepreneurs and big people are doing these huge things in the world. That's what inspires me. So, but I also have the identity of an entrepreneur, the identity of a husband, of a father. Uh, we have a, of a homesteader as well. And sometimes those identities can be at odds with one another. And sometimes things need to be recalibrated. So I just want to encourage people before we wrap up today to get real clear with what identity you've put upon yourself. And the last thing that you want to do, the last thing that you want to do is have the identity of a victim. Because one thing I've found is the more time you spend researching the conspiracy, and if that's all you do, diving down the rabbit hole, word vomiting over your family on Thanksgiving dinner, watching the latest documentary, and that's it, then the meaning that you're going to give the world and the phenomenon that are taking place around you is the world's out to give me. The New World Order is everywhere. The Great Reset is impending and it's all closing down on me. Whatever you do, whether you're an entrepreneur, a conspiracy researcher, a father, a health expert, do not take on the identity of victim because none of us are victims in this world unless we allow ourselves to be. And even if negative things happen to you, you always have the choice of what meaning you give to those circumstances. The meaning you give to those circumstances informs how you feel about those circumstances and in turn, how you show up in this world. So I want to encourage people to be empowered, to live free, and to opt out of these tyrannical systems. Take on whatever identity suits you the best. And uh, with that, we will bid you farewell, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I'm going to be doing the show regularly now. Finally got the tech stuff set up, which is really exciting. We're going to be interviewing guests, going to be bringing insights. Sounds like there's a lot of folks in my audience that aren't really, they're still not understanding Bitcoin. We'll talk more about Bitcoin, Monero, 
decentralization, homesteading, exit and build. Uh, we got a lot of stuff going on. If you want to follow me, guys, and stay in touch more often, you can join our daily email newsletter, livefree.academy slash email, livefree.academy slash email. Livefree.academy slash email.